episode we had a guest on if you haven't listened to that episode that was a really really good episode one thing i found out steve after recording is that his entire book is non-for-profit so a hundred percent of the proceeds are going to cancer research so he was a nice guy to begin with but the fact that he's doing all of these interviews doing everything just about cancer research and isn't making a single cent out of it that uh, that really speaks for his character yeah, anybody, you know, who has a relative or something who might have the early stages of cancer or something, it's a good book to get because, yeah, at least they can educate themselves on it because there's so much bad information out there about cancer. And we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some really good topics today and try to address them. So, um, first off, Trevor, you've been following hockey playoffs? Winnipeg's doing good. No, we've lost the first two. Uh, we're down to one. Yeah, that's not bad. 2-1's not bad, bro. 3-0 is bad. 2-1, you got them right where they want them. Don't worry. Okay. Well, another game tonight, so we'll we'll see. (laughs) All right, so... All right, guys. So the first topic, this is the hot topic of today. And uh, this is a big debate. And I actually, I don't don't really have a horse in the fight, you know, because I don't consume artificial sweeteners um, unless I... Unless I chew um, sugar-free gum or something, that'd be the only time I get some aspartame. But, you know, the way I grind my teeth at night and my jaw and stuff, I don't chew gum. That's just not going to happen. So, Trevor, you're the expert on this stuff. I trust your decision more than everybody else. Can you settle the debate on artificial sweeteners? Do they cause cancer? Are they, you know, do they um, have problems with them? And what would you recommend as far as artificial sweetener? So with artificial sweetener, you're talking about like sucralose and aspartame and things like that, right? Sucralose and aspartame, yes. I think in moderation, no, they won't cause cancer. We do know that they affect your digestive flora. We don't really know how. It's still in the early stages of research. So it might be negative, it might be positive, it might be neutral. Um, Will it cause cancer? I don't think so unless you're using an absurd amount. I mean with everything in life, it's the dosage determines whether or not it's lethal. I just don't think they're positive. I mean, they're, they're artificial, they're, they're chemicals. Um, it just can't be good for you. I really think that, you know, in, in 10, 20 years, we're going to realize that these things are causing huge digestive flora, um, like just, just messing up people's digestive flora. Cause I know for me, I don't ever consume artificial sweeteners. Um, all the products that I use from InnoTech, we only use stevia. So whenever I use something that's artificially sweetened, it's with stevia or monk fruit. So I very, very seldom ever consume sucralose or aspartame. When I do consume uh, a product that has that on a very rare occasion, like let's say I'm at a friend's house and they give me like a drink that's artificially sweetened with one of them, I notice instantly I get terrible gas, terrible gas and bloating. And I think most people who regularly consume Diet Coke don't realize it because, you know, they're drinking it every day. But I know for me, because I've, because I've basically eliminated those from my diet, when I add them back in, it really does cause digestive upset for me. So my opinion is, no, I don't think they're going to cause cancer, but cancer is a cumulative thing, right? So if you're getting chemicals from artificial sweeteners, then you're getting chemicals in your food, then you're getting chemicals in all the cleaning products, then your, your, your air quality is crap, your water quality is crap, all this stuff adds up. So to say it's all artificial sweeteners, I would say no. But what scares me more about them is I think in 10 years, we're going to realize that they cause a major disturbance to your digestive flora. And I mean, all of our genetic information is in our digestive flora. 99% of the proteins our body needs are coded for by, our, by the bacteria in our body. So that's my main concern. All right, guys. So next, hope that answers your question. So the bottom line is, if you get a, if you're looking at two protein powders, one has stevia and one has aspartame and sucralose. Which one would you pick? Definitely the stevia. Stevia or monk fruit? So why why would anyone pick the one with aspartame? It's cheaper. 
No, so I mean, other than being cheaper, I'm saying from a health perspective, there's no reason to pick that one, the artificial one. Zero. So basically, the supplement companies are just trying to save money at the expense of your health. So well, yeah, because yeah. because stevia and monk fruit are naturally derived compounds, right? So they're way more expensive to manufacture than a chemical. Aspartame's dirt cheap, man. Like if like I guess you don't formulate supplements, but if you want to sweeten your products with aspartame, it costs you literally like half a penny like it's like it's it's so so cheap it's it's almost it's like caffeine caffeine is such a cheap ingredient so that's why people load it into pre-workouts the cost of most pre-workouts it actually costs the company more for the jar than the actual the actual powder inside the product how bad is that yep all right so next question is boosting wife's sex drive so um you know the first thing i thought about this one was um you know, it's really a tough topic because there's so many different reasons why wives. I can give you an example. I had a friend, okay, that I knew a few years ago, and she was married for 11 years. She had a kid with this guy. She did not have sex with this guy the last eight years of her marriage because the guy was a complete asshole to her. So she completely lost that emotional connection. She didn't have sex with him or anybody else for eight straight years. She finally divorces this guy. Then she turns into like a sex maniac. She's like having sex with a different guy like every other day. She's meeting guys off Tinder. She's meeting guys online and stuff. So I don't think that with women with sex drive, it's as much physical as it is mental. So what are you doing at home to kind of – a lot of men make the mistake of not – of just getting married to someone and be like, okay, my job is done. I married you. I gave you what you want. That's the happiest day of the woman's life, yada, yada, yada. So now I can just not put any effort into the relationship. And you have to, and especially in a marriage, put a lot of effort in. It takes a lot of work. It takes effort to make that marriage successful. So what are you doing to make her romantically interested in you and keeping her emotional attachment? So, this leads me to the belief, maybe this woman could be even cheating on you. She could be cheating on you with someone from work. She could be cheating on you with an ex. Women emotionally attached to men, and they'll emotionally attach to one man at a time. Okay, so maybe she met someone else. She's banging him on the side or something. I don't know. Or maybe she just lost emotional attachment with you. But, I mean, this is a really, really um, bad situation. And if you don't get it, like under control fast, your marriage is going to become a sexless marriage, like many marriages out there. So you better try to, you know, talk to her and get, try to figure it out. Any, any quick thing to say, turn right now, we're running out of time. A lot of women are deficient in iron and B12, especially if they don't consume a lot of animal products. So I don't know the, the history of this person's question. I don't know if his wife is a vegan or vegetarian, but a lot of female vegans and vegetarians are deficient in B12 and iron. If you are deficient in those two uh, molecules, you will have low energy, right? Because your body needs vitamin B12 and iron to make hemoglobin. And hemoglobin is a molecule that transports oxygen to all of your cells. So if your body is not, if your cells aren't getting a lot of oxygen, you're going to feel low libido, low energy, you're just lethargic. So might, uh, might want to get a blood test done and test your B12 and iron levels or start using a B12 and iron supplement if you are vegan or vegetarian. Um, that was just the first thing I thought of. I know a lot of women suffer from that. N2 Generate is sold by N2BM. And I know a lot of women who take that. It's got a lot of good shit. Like Trevor just mentioned the iron, the fedosia. It's got fenugreek. It's got a lot of stuff, natural herbs that are non-hormonal that can boost your sex drive. So get, give that a shot. If it's something like what Trevor is saying, a health thing, at least that can help her. But if it's something emotional, you have to definitely work with her on that and try to get it, you know, figure it out without being an asshole about it. So good luck, dude. Keep us updated. Next question is best oral only cycle ideas. So Trevor, have you ever done oral only? And um, what did you use? And I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you mine after. So what I don't like about stacking multiple oral steroids is that it's going to put a lot of strain on your liver. So what I would do is I would stack an oral steroid with a SARM. So an example would be you could stack Anavar with S4. 
that would be a really, really good stack. You know, that'd be more like a cutting fat loss stack. You maybe do Anavar, S4, and Carterin. That actually be a really, really good stack if you're looking for body recomposition, fat loss, endurance recovery. So that's what I would do. Um, I know a lot of guys when cutting, they'll do like Anavar Winstrol or when bulking, they'll do like D-ball, T-ball. Like you can do that. It's just going to put a lot of strain on your liver because you're stacking two methylated compounds. So what I would do is I would stack an oral steroid and a SARM. That would be the smartest approach in my opinion. If you do what you just, what you first said, a T-bowl and D-bowl, for example, they have a yin-yang effect. But here's the key with that. Run them at 20 milligrams each, or even 10 milligrams each, if you want to get too more conservative. But don't run them at 30, 40, 50 milligrams each. Then you're really straining your liver. So you can get away with yin and yanging them at low dosages. T-bowl, you can run alone. Anavar, you can run alone. I don't got a problem with oral-only cycles. But over the long term, if you really want to cycle consistently you really want to do injectables because you know it's a hell of a lot easier to inject yourself once or twice a week for you know take a couple of minutes to do that and having to remember to take your pills all the time and then plus like these orals like you know they're strenuous on your liver and you'll notice you, you start feeling tired on them the ones like superdrol and anadrol and the ones are really really liver toxic those especially really, really fuck, fuck up, you know, your liver and you'll start feeling like shit when you're on them really, really fast. You'll start noticing your energy is poor during the day. So this is why over the long term, you need to eventually do injectables. But I mean, initially, if you want to just do orals, I don't got a problem with it at all. It's nothing wrong with oral only cycle. Just one, one thing to add there is that most people are scared of injections they're totally freaking themselves out. It's, it's so easy to do. Like you'll do your first injection and literally laugh at yourself for being scared about it. Um, I was so fed up about people being scared to do injections. I wrote a how to do injections ebook. It's on my website, trevordietcoach.com. It's 10 bucks. I have photos of all the different injection sites. So even if you ever wanted to inject like your biceps or triceps, I show you how to do all of that. But I mean, for a first cycle, I mean, you just do your glutes or, or your glutes or quads or shoulders, like really, really easy sites. I mean, if you want to use steroids, I'm of the opinion, do it properly and use injectables. It's really, really not that hard. And most, most cycles, especially if you're using long esters, you're looking at two injections per week. So if you do a 10 week cycle, that's 20 injections total. Like that's, that's nothing. Like each injection takes you maybe two minutes at the most. Like it's not, it's not a big deal at all. All right, guys, next one is PCT scam. So I, I came across a post and uh, some guy, um, I don't know, he's like a troll or something, he got triggered because he was saying that, you know, these PCT scams that are, you know, put out online, you'll, you'll see them. And it's basically just a bunch of drugs, like high dosages of HCG, HMG, Clomid, Novadex, just tons of drugs, like, trip the ten, all this shit, all, you know, just being shoved down people's throats, like run 200 milligrams a day of Clomid, 300 milligrams a day of Clomid, run, you know, 2000 IUs three times a week of ACG, run hundred IUs of HMG every day, all kinds of crazy shit. And I've been preaching about this for years to guys is that you cannot throw a bunch of drugs and recovery HPTA, but 95% of people don't get this concept. So, you know, I'm trying to explain this and Trevor, you brought up a story before about how your HPTA got fucked up and you, your doctor puts you on Clomid and Novadex and all these drugs and it never did anything for you. Your HPTA stayed shut down. So my, my, my point is this story happens with a lot of people and what happens is instead of allowing their body to recover because that's the only way you can recover after a cycle is let your body recover a pct gives you a soft landing then your body has to recover its hpt you can't just throw drugs at the problem so what i'm trying to explain to people is you know these drug heavy drug pcts do more harm than good because when you're running HCG and HMG during PCT, it's a hormone. It's still suppressing your pituitary glands. We want your pituitary glands functioning like normal. 
So why throw a bunch of drugs at it and mimic hormones that your pituitary glands spit out to stimulate your lytic cells? But what tricks people is their balls get bigger because they think, oh, my balls are bigger. That means I'm recovering. But that's just because it's, you know, you're, these drugs are, are mimicking L, you know, LH in your body. It's not because you're actually recovering. So that's what gets people tricked. So a lot of people get upset when I tell them this or whatever. But I'm telling people, look, if it was that easy to recover from steroids, from abusing steroids, nobody would be on TRT for life. So the only thing that can, that can recover you is your own body. And um, so do not follow these crazy ass bullshit PCTs that are pushed around the internet that I see. Do you agree with that, Trevor, or not? I agree with that. Another thing to watch out for is that a lot of supplement companies are selling these PCT products, right? Most of them are natural testosterone boosters. Some of them have some anti-estrogens like arimistane or whatever in there. But they're making it sound like all you need for a PCT is their product, which is completely incorrect. And in fact, I really, it really upsets me when companies do this because you're going to actually give people long-term health issues. Now, I'm not saying don't use a natural testosterone in your PCT. I actually think that's a really smart idea. But you need to use actual PCT drugs like Clomid and Novadex. Using just a testosterone booster for a PCT if you've run steroids is not sufficient. So there's lots and lots of companies out there. I'm not going to list any of them by name. I don't want to publicly attack anyone. But if you ever read a write-up where they're talking about this product and they're saying it's for PCT and it's hardcore enough that it's all you need for your PCT, that's completely incorrect. I would not support that company anymore out of principle. A good, a good testosterone booster is a good part of a post-cycle therapy, but it's just a part of a post-cycle therapy. You also need to use actual real PCT drugs. Yeah, and again, like N2Generate sells something called ES, which is extra strength. And it really, really is something I recommend for PCT, um, along with your other PCT products. You, it really helps offset the side effects of those PCT drugs. So I highly recommend that. Um, the next one is, this one was a question, and I'm not sure why people like to ask us these types of weird questions, but it is, a, it is an interesting one. And Trevor, you're an engineer, so, and you do fly a lot, so this would be a good question for you, is what do you think happened to the Malaysian flight that disappeared? The flight, like, disappeared? Yeah, so um, you remember this, like, from about a year ago, I think. A flight left Malaysia. It was flying to China, and 30 minutes into takeoff, it, they lost radar connection and they have never found the plane. It just completely disappeared. So months later, they investigated it and they put like, they put, started connecting the dots and they figured out that for whatever reason, the plane flew Northwest, even though it was supposed to go Northeast to China, it flew Northwest, then made a sharp turn South and just flew South toward Antarctica. And at some point, in the South Indian Ocean, okay, somewhere between like Australia and Antarctica in the middle of the ocean, it disappeared. Like off, they, they don't know what happened after that. And there's no, nothing. There's no, they never found the black box. They never, all they, all they all we know really is supposedly there was some wreckage found in like Madagascar, Madagascar and East Africa. But we don't have any evidence of what happened to the plane or nothing besides those radar and nothing. There was no mayday, nothing. So how does a plane just disappear like that? There's all kinds of conspiracy theories. Some people think it was aliens. Some people think it was a hijacking. And the hijackers took the plane to some island in the middle of the Indian Ocean and landed it. And like, all these 200 people are living on an island right now. We don't know what the hell happened to it. And it must be devastating to the families not to know what, what happened. And uh, so what's your opinion on this as an engineer? What do you think could have happened? I mean, it could have been hijackers. That's, that's a theoretical idea. Um, what I think is I think there was a glitch in the software. You know, now when it really comes down to it, most pilots are flying on autopilot. So what I imagine is that the, the takeoff went good. The pilot, you know, said, okay, now we're flying. He had a nap. He put it on autopilot. There was a glitch in the software. The software 
miscalculated location and then tried to like relocate them or something and then totally steered the plane off course. And then they ended up in like the middle of nowhere and they crashed is what was what I assume probably happened. And they, and because they crashed in the middle of like Antarctica, no one ever found the plane because it was never, they, they don't know where they crashed. That's what I would think, but I, I don't really know. I'm not super educated on flight systems and, and how radar systems all work and things like that. Why would like the plane like suddenly veer straight due south? Like wouldn't the pilot would know if a plane just completely makes a turn like that? I mean, he would know like. like no, because cause when, you're, when you're in the air, you don't have any, there's no direction points, right? So you really don't know if you're flying northeast, south or west, because it's all just sky. So like I said, it's like probably like the, the GPS, there was a glitch and then instead of it thinking it was moving north, it, it was moving south. So it's but they would have hit land within like an hour or two to north, 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 like north of Malaysia, it's Asia. So they would have hit land within like a couple hours. How would they hit but, land in the air? No, they would have been over land. So the pilot would have been like, hey, you know, he's flying over ocean for five hours. He would have looked down and saw just ocean for five straight hours and known something's wrong. So, I mean, if that's true, there may have been something where, they, but there may have been something where the pilot like went unconscious and then the, the plane was on autopilot and everybody on the plane went unconscious. Gosh, that's gotta be scary. If you're a passenger and you're, you're conscious with the pilot, the cockpit crew is unconscious. That's possible. When was the last time you flew, Steve? Uh, maybe uh, four or five years ago. You fly above the clouds. So you can't see where you are. You can't see if you're above land or if you're above water. Right, but Trevor, the plane was supposed to land from, from Malaysia to, to China. The plane, the whole plane flight was only supposed to be like two and a half hours. And they were in the air at least five hours. We know that from the connecting the dots. It flew south, due south for five straight hours. So put in, obviously it ran out of gas and just crashed into the ocean. That's the logical thing. They know where the plane went. They know the direction. So, yeah. I mean, the, so then it sounds like the, the pilot was probably in the cockpit, the door was locked, and he somehow passed out or, or something. I don't know, maybe he had like a medical condition or something, but yeah. He, the, maybe they lost pressure in the cabin or something, but all the pilots would have had to load, they usually have at least two or three guys in, in the cockpit. And it's weird that a stewardess didn't knock on the door and say, hey, you know, we're in the air five hours, what's the deal? We're going to run out of gas. So it was just, it's, that's the thing, like we don't know what happened. It's a really scary story like it's it's really bizarre don't don't uh, fly uh don't fly from malaysia to china well i'm so. disappointed driver i was hoping you'd be able to figure out what happened because we may never know so uh, <laughs> you're an engineer you're supposed to know this stuff all right you damn you engineers okay, you guys okay. i'm i'm a chemical engineer that's like when someone says like hey I just bought something from Ikea. Can you come build it? No, I'm not a mechanical engineer. If you want me to come over and talk to you about hormones or biochemistry or chemical reactions, sure, I can, I can ramble on for hours. I don't know anything about building designs. I don't know anything about, like, patterns. Yeah, I don't know any of that stuff, man. Like, I took a couple beginning years in my first year, but, like, I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer. I'm not mechanical. I'm not civil. I'm not electrical. So don't ask me anything about like circuit birds or anything like that. <laughs> All right, guys. So here's the next question. Test and trend suspensions. Is it worth it? Have you tried them? I've never done it. Um, I know that they hurt like hell. I don't really think unless you like you're a drug tested athlete who could be drug tested at any, any day and you need to you need drugs that clear out of your system in 24 hours. I don't see any point for using them. Um, what are your thoughts? I used uh test suspension i injected it two times and that shit like basically how can i describe this like just imagine someone taking a baseball bat and just hitting you with it that's pretty much what it feels like injecting it so and uh you know like look guys it doesn't matter like if you're a tested athlete and you're worried about getting tested like in the next two days then yeah use it but I mean, if you're not, uh, there's no point. Just use a regular testosterone ester. Like I don't see, the, there's no advantage. Like people try to sell the fact that, yeah, I inject it and wow, I get a boost in the gym. You know, that's all mental. Like what does it make if I have, like, look, trend, 
you're telling me with trend A's or, 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 or trend E, you're not going to feel that shit when you go work out. You're not going to feel those pumps and that aggression stuff. You know, it's, it's not going to make, and it's a very negligible difference. Maybe you get a little spike, you know, a little peak going with it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean shit, you know? So, um, but hey, if you're a tested athlete match, fuck, man. If I was like a football player or something, like a linebacker, and I wanted some aggression, I would fucking take that trend before the game, you know what I'm saying? Just make sure you stay hydrated, and you're going to be fucking beast, you know? You don't got to worry about getting tested. All right, so next one is hemorrhoids. Now, this is another one for you, Trevor. Um, have you ever gotten hemorrhoids? I'm assuming you have not because you don't train heavy. I've never gotten a hemorrhoid, no. Yeah, so <clears throat> I have. I started getting hemorrhoids probably around like 30 years old. Um, and a lot of it has to do with straining. So if you're lifting and you're doing like deadlifts and squats and stuff and you're like, you know, in the gym and straining and pushing hard, then, yeah, you're going to get hemorrhoids. So um, the best thing to do when you do get hemorrhoids, and this is the way I conquered them, is if, if they're bothering you when you're taking a dump, then slow down your bowel movements. And you do that two ways. You limit your food intake and you also eat a lot of easy to digest foods like watermelon and melons and stuff like that, and fruit, tropical fruits and citrus and stuff like that. Don't consume things that are hard for you to digest and shit out, okay? So, because that's gonna make it worse because when you're straining while you're taking a dump, it's just gonna make it worse. So the way I cured my hemorrhoids the last time I got them was I did like a three-day water fast and then I ate fruit for like two, two days. And then they were gone and they have not come back since. So you need to give your anus a break from that. But, um, you know, those, those like the preparation age and all that stuff, really, that, that shit doesn't work. You know, I swear to God, that shit doesn't work. You gotta, you've got to do, you got to avoid straining like in the gym for, for a little bit. And you gotta, you gotta do that. Do you have any idea about that, Trevor? I don't know much about it. Um, my recommendation would be make sure that you're breathing properly when you're lifting heavy, especially squatting and deadlifting. I see a lot of people holding their breath when squatting and deadlifting, and that's just asking for, for, for trouble, whether it be a hemorrhoid or bursting a blood vessel or things like that. So just make sure you're breathing properly. Um, that'd be my only advice. Yeah. And when you're working out and you're like, rah, 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 like doing that, I mean, think of the pressure you're putting down there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a, that you're, you're basically ripening the, the hemorrhoids up right there. You're basically just irritating your ass right there. So you got to lay off a little bit. Just go light for a few days. Let it, let it get some uh, difference. All right, so Trevor, this is the one for you. Saturated fats, trans fats, polyunsaturated fats, omega-3, uh, omega-6 fats. Tell us a little bit of what those are. Give us some examples of foods and tell us what we should be eating more of and less of. Okay, so in nature, you have three categories of fats. You have monounsaturated fats, you have saturated fats, and you have polyunsaturated fats. Saturated fats are the most stable. Monounsaturated fats are the single most stable. They have one double bond, and then polyunsaturated fats have two or more double bonds. Um, all of those are naturally found in foods. Uh, there's a small amount of trans fats naturally found in foods in the, in the form of CLA, but trans fats are primarily human-made fats. Those are made by hydrogenating vegetable oils. So basically what they'll do is they'll have a polyunsaturated fat that has lots of double bonds and will hydrogenate it to make all of those double bonds singular bonds. But when you do that, that alters the configuration. So instead of it being a cis configuration, it's a transfiguration. That is a foreign fat to the body. The body doesn't really know what to do with it, so it's stored. So trans fats are terrible. Saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, and polyunsaturated fats are all needed for health. Polyunsaturated fats, those are your omega-3s and omega-6s, your essential fatty acids. Um, both omega-3s and omega-6s are essential fatty acids. The problem is that we're getting too many omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. Omega-6s are the inflammatory, and the omega-3s are the anti-inflammatory. Now, in a perfect ratio, in a perfect world, you have about one-to-one. -one. So then your inflammation and your anti-inflammation are balanced, right? Because remember, if some inflammation is important, inflammation is what you need to build muscle, 
inflammation has a lot of important processes in the body. The problem is we just have too much inflammation and then we get chronic inflammation. So polyunsaturated, those are important. Those would be your uh, nuts, your seeds, your fish oil, your flax, your hemp, your chia, things like that. Monounsaturated fats, those are another really important fat, especially for heart health. Um, monounsaturated fats have one double bond, so they're not as stable as saturated fats, but they're a good healthy fat. Those would be things like avocado, macadamia nuts, and then saturated fat. People think saturated fat is the devil, but saturated fat, you actually do need some of it. Um, you want you want to limit saturated fat because too much of it is you know hard on your cardiovascular system, but some is good. You just want to make sure it's from natural sources. That'd be like grass-fed beef, free-range chicken, coconut, palm oil. Um, and again, with the coconut and the palm oil, make sure they're virgin oils. Make sure that they're not modified. You never, ever, ever want to consume canola oil, soybean oil, modified anything, um, sunflower oil, safflower oil. Those are all highly processed fats. You want to stay away from those. My oil, favorite what category would those be, though? They'd still be in the same category? They would still be in the same category, but so let's take canola oil, for example. So canola oil, the problem is that in order to extract the oil, you have to use high temperature extraction, which basically makes the oil rancid because you're exposing the oil to such high heat that oxidizes the oils. So canola isn't inherently bad. It's just the process they use to make the oil oxidizes the oil. Soybean oil, same thing. Sunflower oil, safflower oil. All those vegetable oils are just toxic for the body. They're just... So but they still fall into saturated fats. So you're saying saturated fats. Mm-hmm. Those huh? Well, there's no, no oil is just one thing. Cause like, if you look at beef, it has monosaturated and polyunsaturates. So like a fat isn't a single, like there's no, no fat is just a single one. Like even fish, fish is saturated fat, monounsaturated fat and polyunsaturated fat. It just has the most amount of polyunsaturates. Right. So people who say, that you shouldn't have saturated fats like doctors or diet gurus or whatever, because you hear that a lot. They say, oh, we shouldn't have saturated fats. I'm assuming they're talking about you shouldn't eat a lot of fatty meats. Well, actually, the, the I'm fat- not saying I agree with them. I'm just trying to understand what their, their perspective well, is. I don't think they know what saturated fat is, because like meat is only about 40% saturated fat. There's actually more monounsaturated fat in beef fat than there is saturated fat. The biggest source of saturated fat in people's diets is dairy. Dairy is pretty much pure saturated fat. So if someone's telling you avoid saturated fat and they tell you to stop eating red meat, they're giving you the wrong advice. What they actually be telling you is stop consuming dairy products. And that's part of the reason I don't like dairy is that it's not a natural fat ratio. Because if you look at the fat in beef fat or chicken fat or fish fat or whatever, it has saturated fat, it has monounsaturated fat, and it has polyunsaturated fats, but it's similar to the fatty acid profile we'd find in our own bodies. But dairy is pretty much pure saturated fat, which is really weird. Like you would never find like a pure saturated fat source in nature. So yeah, that's why I don't really like dairy. And then keep going. Omega-3, omega-6s. I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, again, avocado, that would be omega-3, but it, you know. It's no, 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 avocado is monounsaturated. Right. So give us some examples of good omega-3 fats. So if you want, if you want plant fats, your flax and your chia, um, just never, ever cook with flax oil or chia oil. Um, flax seeds and chia seeds you're fine to cook with because when you have the whole seed, the fiber um, helps, helps stabilize the fat. Um, your omega-6s, healthy omega-6s would be things like hemp. Um, even sunflower seeds are fine and things like that. Just make sure you're consuming the whole seed, not the, not the oil. For monounsaturated fats, my favorite would be extra virgin olive oil, avocado, macadamia nuts, um, almonds. Really any nut is, is a good source of monounsaturated fats, except for peanuts. Peanuts are not a nut, they're a legume. Peanuts are very high in omega-6s. They're very inflammatory in the body. I hate peanuts. So now you see why people are so confused about this. Because people say fats are bad for you. But it's like... What fat are you talking about? What food are you talking about? Is it modified? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah. So the problem is like sunflower seeds are healthy, but sunflower oil is toxic. So when you tell people that though, they want to argue that. They're like, oh, sunflower, sunflowers are good, good for you. What's wrong with sunflower? Canola. There's nothing wrong with canola, you know? And, um, you know, a lot of people just, just, they're confused. Like there's a lot of fucking confusion out there on this shit. So like, 
you know, but the American diet, and I'm sure Canadian diet is the same thing, good fats and bad fats, we're talking about a one to 20 ratio from omega-3 and omega-6, correct? Yeah, I mean, I've seen even one to 40. <laughs> one to 40, Jesus Christ. So really, you want to get that down to like one to two or one to one, right? Uh, one to four to one to one would be ideal, somewhere in well, there. So let's summarize this. What are things that people need to stop eating or cut down on eating that they are eating? And what are some things that people need to eat more of that they're not eating? in the typical North American diet? Let's summarize this so people aren't so confused. Stop eating canola oil, stop eating soybean oil, stop eating sunflower oil, stop eating safeflower oil. Which takes out restaurant food, unless you tell them don't put oil. And takes out pretty much every single processed food. Because if you look at any granola bar or anything like that, they're all made of canola oil or sunflower oil. If you look at potato chips, it's sunflower oil. If you look at chicken wings, it's sunflower oil. Stop eating all that. Um, start eating more of uh, wild-caught fish, chia seeds, but the whole seed, not the oil, flax seed, the whole seed, hemp seeds, avocado, extra virgin olive oil, macadamia nut oil, extra virgin coconut oil. Start eating more of those. But make sure olive oil is legit. And then what about fatty meats? That's fine. Just make sure it's humane, raised, grass-fed, things like that. All right, excellent, guys. So, I mean, hope that one clears it up. So, uh, this is why we have Trevor on this podcast because he's an expert. On so this, this is the problem with this is the problem with. So, it's like the saying "you are what you eat" is true, but it's also "you are what you eat" is eaten. So, if you're consuming farm-raised fish, the farm-raised fish are fed corn and soy. So, because there's no omega threes in corn or soy, the fish then has no omega threes. So, when you eat the fish, you get no omega. Right, So if you're eating farm-raised fish thinking you're getting omega-3s, you're not. You're actually getting omega-6s, and that's the problem. And that's why I feel so bad for people is people are like, oh, I need to get more omega-3s in my diet. So they go buy fish, but it's farm-raised fish, which is pure omega-6s. So they think that they're getting omega-3s, but all they're getting is omega-6s because it's farm-raised fish. Yeah. So, you know, this is another example. It's not people's fault that people are sick and unhealthy and fat. It's, it's really all the misinformation. And, and like Trevor said, you know, canola oil is not bad, but the way it is treated, like what Trevor said and processed, it is bad. They turn it bad because they want to save money and sunflower oil and all this shit. So you really got to, you know, guys, it's like simple, simple changes to your diet can make a huge difference. This is not rocket science. Just go get some coconut oil and cook with. Don't use vegetable oil, don't use canola oil, don't use sunflower oil, just use good quality coconut oil and get wild fish, don't get farm-raised fish. It's, these are simple little changes you can make, I mean, to, to make a huge difference. All right, guys, so can't do a pull-up. How do you get better on pull-ups? Um, I'm a big fan of pull-ups. Um, I think it's one of the best ways to build big biceps. Everyone says, oh, how do you build big biceps? I mean, you, you do some pull-ups with, with, you know, put a weight to you and start doing pull-ups. That's a great way, I mean, to just force the muscles to get stronger. So I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of gymnastics. Gymnastics really, really got me ripped, like, to shreds um, doing a lot of gymnastics. I really credit that because you're, you're basically – it's just amazing the stuff that you can do when you act as gymnastics. Um, it really makes a difference in your shoulders and your arms. So, but what happens if you can't do a single pull-up? What's your advice, Trevor? Like, how do you get started on this? Because nobody's like me and can go rip off 60 pull-ups. Uh, I, I, when I was in fucking fifth grade, I couldn't even do a single pull-up in recess. And now I can do 60. And uh, I had to work for, you know, very hard over the years. So what, what's your advice to someone just starting out who can't do a pull-up? Most gyms have an assisted pull-up machine, so that'd be a good way to, to you know, learn the form and get better. Um, you could also have a partner help you, or you could set up a stool under the, the pull-up bar and do jump pull-ups. Um, I, can, I can easily do pull-ups. Like I could probably do about 20 pull-ups, no problem. And what I'll do is I'll do about, I'll have that stool under the pull-up bar. I won't use it, so I'll do you know, 20 pull-ups or whatever. And then I'll force myself to do you know, an extra five or six using the power of my legs. 
So whether you can only do a couple pull-ups, you can't even do a single pull-up, I really like doing jump pull-ups as a way to, you know, break through that plateau and teach yourself how to do more pull-ups. And then also, I wouldn't recommend this for someone who's new to pull-ups, but if you have good body awareness, you can cheat with your legs, like you can swing. So I, I'll do, you know, like 20 pull-ups with strict form, and then I'll start using my legs as momentum and doing kipping pull-ups to get like another 10. So that's another option as well. All right, guys, so last question. This is kind of a self-help question, and we love these questions because we all need self-help um, in life. So this guy has a story. He said he was driving down the road, him and a buddy, and the cops pulled him over for a headlight. So the cop pulls him over, and they've got some stuff in the car, and they're, they're very nervous. So the cop pulls him over and asks to search the vehicle. So the cop searches the vehicle, and he gets arrested, and he says he got charged with possession of the Xanax B-A-R-S. I'm not sure what that is. You know what that is? It's, uh, it's a pain medication. No, what's B-R-A-S? Xanax B-A-R-S. I don't know, maybe the brand? Oh, okay, I think it's bars, Xanax bars. Does that make sense? But anyway, um, he said he got charged with possession. He got out, um, this was his first offense, so he got out with just you know, a slap on the wrist. He had to spend like the night in jail. He got out on a, on a bond or whatever. So he has to go to court for it, but he's, he's kind of freaking out over it. He's worried that's going to go on his record. That's going to affect his future. And he's a young guy. So, um, you know, I'll let you take this one first, Trevor, what do you do in a situation? Look, we all, we all fuck up in life. We all do shit. And sometimes the justice system is not kind when it comes to stuff like this. And it's a very imbalanced justice system, I would say. Because if you're rich, you can get that shit scrubbed off your record if you know, you know, hire the right lawyer and pay money. That's exactly what I was going to say is hire a lawyer, do it right now. As a young guy, you don't want a record. I mean, spending a night in prison, whatever, if it costs you a bit of money, whatever, hire a lawyer, figure out exactly what the file is, figure out if it's on your record, Normally for a first offense, what your lawyer can do is say, hey, this is a young kid. He got caught up in the wrong crowd. Give him a one-year probation period. So basically what the court will do is they'll say, okay, you have one year. If in one year you don't have any um, other offenses, we're going to scrap it off your record. So hire a good lawyer. You definitely want to get this defended. Um, Any lawyer who knows what he's doing will ask for like a one-year probation period or something like that. Because if you have a criminal record, you won't be able to travel. Um, It's going to prevent you from getting a lot of jobs. Um, This is something, especially as a young guy, you definitely want to get dealt with. So like, take this seriously. And the longer you wait, the harder it is it's going to be to get a trial. So I would hire a lawyer tomorrow and try to get this, you know, put into trial as soon as possible. I get the feeling, though, because he said he was with a friend. I get the feeling he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. And that's the thing, like friends can get you in trouble. And like, especially with young guys, we, we do, we're more aggressive and we're more stupid when we're hanging out with friends. And that's something, um, just be careful when you go out with friends, like don't drive with friends. Meet, if you're going to want to go out with friends, meet them somewhere and do whatever you want, you want to do, but don't drive around with them because that's a quick way to get yourself in trouble. Cause if you get pulled over and your friend has something in his pocket or under the seat or something, you know, and your friend's like, Oh, it's not mine. It's not mine. Guess what? They can slap all of you with charges for that. So I've seen, I've, I've seen that happen. I've seen situations where people got into fights because they're hanging out with the wrong crowd. They're defending their friend and they got hit with felony assault charges. So, you know, take that shit seriously, guys. Um, you know, be smart about who you're hanging out with don't drive around with illegal stuff in your car. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. And, um, you know, I don't know why you're taking Xanax, why you're using Xanax or whatever. I, I know they're for anxiety or something, but listen, there's other ways to combat anxiety. Like we exercise, we eat healthy, we take care of ourselves. We go to yoga, we do all this stuff to balance our minds. And that's, that's the reason. So any final thoughts on that, Trevor? About uh, how to handle anxiety? No, no. What I was going to say is when you go in for questioning, be very, very careful. The police are going to make it seem like you're your friend. They're recording everything you say, and anything you say can and will be held against you. So 
the least you say, the better. Just say, hey, I'm a young kid. I don't really know what's going on. I want a lawyer. That's all you say. Just because they're, they're recording everything you say and they're going to use it in court against you. So don't say, I only tried it a couple times. Like, don't don't say anything like that. That's the worst thing you can do. So, so in, Canada, in Canada, you can uh, invoke your Fifth Amendment and not talk? Yeah, same. Laws, United same, States? Same as the United States, yeah. So, okay. so all you say is, all you say is, I'm a young kid. I don't know what's going on. I'm not comfortable talking to anyone. I'd like a lawyer. That's all you say. Because if you say something stupid, it will come back and, and it, they will use it in court. So if you say anything like, hey, like, like uh, he's not really a friend of mine. I, I only tried it a couple of times. Like as soon as you say, oh, I only tried a couple of times, you just admit it to it. Or if, you, or, or if you say, hey, like this is the first time I've ever had, like don't ever, don't say anything like that. Just say, hey, I, I'm really not sure what's going on. I, I'm not comfortable saying anything. I'd like a lawyer. That's all you say. Yeah, the first thing a lawyer will say is don't talk talk to the police. Let the, let the lawyer talk for you. That's the key. When I had my traffic ticket, I got a big traffic ticket and I called up the lawyer and I admitted to the cop. I was like, yeah, dude, I was speeding. I, I admitted to him. I thought he'd be nice to me if I just admitted that I was speeding. He wasn't. He was a complete douche. He was a dickhead. And the cop was like, dude, don't admit you did anything because whatever you tell a cop, even whether it's on tape or not, they will still tell the court that you said that, you know, because the court is going to listen to what the cop says. You know, so, you know, just keep your mouth shut and be, you know, be nice. If you're nice to them, sometimes they'll, you know, cut, cut you a break a little bit. But any final advice that, on this guy, why he's taking Xanax? Well, Xanax is a, it's a pain medication. So people would take it for like anxiety or for sleep. Um, I guess you're a young kid, so you're probably dealing with stress or, or whatever. Um, just you. They're, they're, they're natural alternatives to everything. I mean, yoga. If you want to try to take something before bed to help with sleep, you know, look into natural sleep aid that has maybe like GABA, um, uh, valerian root, chamomile, things like that. But I mean, you're a young kid. You don't need drugs. I mean, if, if you're feeling stressed, go for a run, go do yoga, practice meditation, have a hot Epsom salt bath. Like, like I, I know what it's like. Like we've, we've all been there. We've all been young, but just these things are highly addictive. They do way more harm than good. Yeah, I'll just say this, like, I have a friend and um, I work with him and he says when he has a bad day at work, you know what he does, Trevor? He drinks liquor. He just gets drunk. And I, I tell him, I'm like, dude, how is that helping the situation? You know, you have a bad day. I have a bad day. I had a bad day like three days ago, <laughs> a really, really bad day at work. And uh, you know what? You just fucking, as soon as work's over, get over, get the fuck over it, man. Tomorrow's another day. You'll have a better day tomorrow. Like go work out, go fishing, do whatever, get your mind off of it. Cause you know, just trashing yourself, you know, getting drunk and taking drugs is not going to fix it. So, you know, that, it, that, that's how it is. And you get into the habit of taking shit. That's, that's what's going to end up happening. So, this all right, guys. Is, yep. this, is what, uh, this is what I did. When my sister died. I listened to some positive music, you know, whatever you like, something kind of like, don't, don't listen to like death metal or something like that, but like, listen to something, you know, upbeat, go for a long walk. That's going to release the serotonin levels. That's going to release all those dopamine, all those feel-good hormones in your brain. It's going to help your body deal with stress. And then walking is actually the best thing you can do to lower cortisol. They've done studies, and, and walking is the single best thing you can do to reduce stress and reduce cortisol. So if you're having a really long day, listen to some music or maybe a podcast or something you like, and just go for a long walk. And I promise you, after that 40-minute walk, you're going to feel so much better. So me and Steve, we're going to be doing these Q&A Q episodes once a week. If you've got questions, you can send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email. I have both of those uh, in the show notes. Or if you're on the evolutionary.org forums, you can send Steve a private message or a visitor message for the questions. I forward all the messages to Steve, and then he uh, puts all 10 questions in order, and we just do 10 questions every single week. So keep the questions coming, guys. For your host, Trevor Kuritsen, for my co-host, Steve Smee, this is another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look good doing it. Thanks for listening.